0: Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of
1: vino, and let's dive into the past. Today, we're excited to have a guest joining us, author E. Elizabeth Watson.
0: On this episode, we're going to talk about archaeology, paleontology, Highlanders, and cowboys. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. We're excited. Very happy to have you here. But before we dive into this exciting
2: episode, Elizabeth, can you tell us what you are drinking today? I am drinking Sauvignon Blanc, which is my favorite type of wine, but specifically a type called Scout Wild, which is kind of funny. The reason I even picked it out is because my kids are big into Scouts. They're really into it. So when I saw this wine bottle, and I thought it said Scout Wine. And I was like, what in the world is that? Like, that seems like it should not be a thing.
0: So anyway, I grabbed
2: it just because of the name, but yeah, Scout Wild, and it's super good and you can find it at Target. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Oh, and for those, you know, since you can't see me, I should let you know I am having it in my tartan insulated wine glass. Nice. You know. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Very on brand for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So today I just picked out a single serve, um, little can of wine this used to come in a little bottle because sometimes in the evening I don't like opening a bottle of wine because I feel like I'm responsible for drinking the whole thing <laughs> and and I'm not as good at avoiding temptation as I'd like so these single serve bottles um, or can in this case really work out well for me sometimes and this one is a Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi nice And it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, my favorite. My favorite too.
1: Today I am having, since we're talking about Highlanders and Cowboys, something a little risque. (laughs) And it is a Ménage à Trois. Um, It's Midnight, the dark red (laughs) blend. And it says, let the deep dark magic of midnight embrace you. And I think that's just kind of funny. Um, velvety blackberry <laughs> flavors linger on your lips like a stolen kiss. And since oh we're my talking goodness. about sexy Highlanders and Cowboys, I thought that was
0: a good one to choose. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. So, Elizabeth, before becoming an author, you got down and dirty with history as an archaeologist. Yes. Can you tell us more about that and how it sparked your interest in the Texas desert and Cowboys? Oh,
2: my goodness. Uh, where to even start? I'll try not to be long-winded. But, um, geez, when it comes to West Texas, that it's a region that is not... Nearly as researched as a lot of other areas. When people think of the American Southwest, they think of New Mexico, Arizona, Utah. Uh, when they think of Texas history and archaeology, they think of Caddo, Mound Building, which is more Mississippi Valley, Eastern Texas. And so West Texas is this desert region that is explored but never really seemed to fit into any particular camp of archaeology and archaeological study. So there's definitely a mystique about West Texas that I just loved and embraced. The desert, it's uh, the Chihuahuan Desert. It's part of the, sort. it's a whole region that goes way down into Mexico and up a little bit into uh, the United States. And so it's kind of on the fringe of the Chihuahuan Desert. It's so harsh. It's just this this primal environment where everything is really trying to survive it's incredibly beautiful but incredibly stark Um, i really like extreme types of environments and so this was it's just beautiful and it's fragile but it's so um it's so hardened and hardy everything is trying to poke or sting or bite or you know it's all trying to survive and so there's definitely an allure about that rugged kind of landscape that people have been surviving in for millennia Uh, And I should say, like, I make it sound like this magical place, but um, there was also a practical reason why I chose West Texas to study. Uh, As when I was in, uh, when I was at University of Texas at Austin, I was a young mom. I was working full time. I was in school full time. You know, I didn't have the luxury of just dropping everything and going, you know, to Turkey for three months on some Mm -hmm. extravagant dig. I couldn't, I couldn't do that, and so here I was in Texas, and West Texas was right there, and it was this area just begging to be researched. So I definitely, there was a practical reason, and there was also an allure that it's just a beautiful landscape. It's unlike any other place in the world. In terms of the cowboys, um, a lot of that is, you know, it's like fantasy, it's fictionalized. Like, these rugged ranchers, I mean, these are like some hardened guys who've been living on this land. Yeah. For, and working on this land but I, you know i worked on ranch land and uh, the ranchers were always really kind and accommodating but they stayed out of the way but just having to interact with um this sort of personality was just interesting to me um the some are really open to researchers coming on their land and, and studying the flora and the fauna and the archaeology and the history and some are really protective and worried that what people are looking for are things they're going to want to take or commandeer or control so there's Mm -hmm. there's definitely a a way to balance how you work with these people anyway it's just a really unique place uh, just cool experiences working in archaeology out there and uh, it has always stuck with me so when my agent at the time gave me the go-ahead to start writing my Cowboys, I was like, yes, finally. Get to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long answer know. to a short question. <laughs> that oh, was no, no, great. that's great. Yeah. So as authors,
1: we usually find ourselves writing on topics we know best. In the Cowboys Texas Heart, your heroine is a paleontologist. Can you tell us what is similar and what the differences are between paleontology and
2: archaeology? I am so glad you asked this question because I think a lot of people just don't know the difference and I have definitely been confronted with people just being conversational there's nothing wrong or but they will say oh you know you're an archaeologist like you look at dinosaurs I'm like no don't look at dinosaurs like and yeah so back at at UT Austin uh, one of the grad student research uh, a computer lab, sorry, had a st- big sticker on the window, a bumper sticker that said, Archaeologists don't dig dinosaurs. <laughs> and so I think the the distinction to be made is that if it is fossilized remains, if it is dinosaurs, if it is extinct flora or fauna um, of any type and it has become fossilized, it falls in the camp of paleontology. And if it is the human past, human remains, artifacts, made by humans, debris left behind by humans, evidence of where humans have been living, building, uh, cutting things down for resources, any type of human activity and human remains and human artifacts and art is archeology. span There is a little bit of overlap, a tiny bit when you get into really ancient, types of human species that existed that are fossilized in the record you start getting some overlap with like paleoarchaeology but that's really the only kind of intersection there so yes definite distinction dinosaurs paleontology (laughs) humans archaeology (laughs) that's a really good way to
1: um differentiate thank you
2: yeah yeah it is
1: Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Laurie and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime.
0: Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more.
1: Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past.
0: Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next.
1: Now, back to the show. Cheers.
0: And another question on what is similar and different. You write stories with historical Scottish Highlanders and modern-day cowboys who are both hardened and honed by the landscapes they live in. How is it to write in both worlds and which one do you find the hardest?
2: You know, at one point I would have said that I thought my cowboys were the hardest to write because as a historian and someone who enjoys history and just has a natural pull to the past, researching the past is like breathing to me. It's just something that I do and Mm -hmm. having to research modern day things that I really should know but I don't because, you know, they're just things about the modern world that are not um, relevant to me was at first a challenge. But at the end of the day, I realized that beneath all of these layers of contemporary, Western, historical, Scottish, I'm writing the same types of protector males. And so they Mm -hmm. really are essentially at their core. No matter what other archetypes they're layered with, they're all protectors and they all are a product of these environments, uh, political landscapes, uh, warfare or, you know, modern, modern day, you know, like, West Texas, the harsh desert terrain and all of the challenges that come with that, like, they're all products of, of a rugged landscape and a rugged existence. And so When I peel back the layers underneath them, I actually don't, I think I face the same types of challenges every time I write a story. And it's more about digging into the characterization and what makes these guys wear such armor around these vulnerable hearts of theirs and (laughs) how I can peel those layers back in a way that's realistic and emotional. So, yeah. Yeah, I I like that too. I never thought about it that way, but it's so true. Like (laughs) the hard landscape, I like it. Yeah, the you know, Mm -hmm. being drawn to these extremes, you know, like I love the deserts, I live in the mountains, when I travel, I make a point to explore and go hiking and and see, you know, what's underneath like the veneer of buildings and attractions. And so I think I like to write heroes that are that are products of that sort of thing, too. I think it just, you know, like we write what we know. And and that's something that I'm drawn to. Yeah, for sure. Love that. So, like you,
1: Laurie and I also have a fascination with history and Scotland. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us about the book you have coming out this August, A Highland Rogue to Ruin?
2: What time period did you set this in and why? Okay, so this book is set in the mid 1500s. Uh, it's set in that period because it is a sequel to Twelfth Night's Bride, which was also set in that time period. And so mm-hmm. Um, I'm stuck mm-hmm. with that time period because these are characters that we meet briefly in Twelfth Night's Bride. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's a time period that, yes, we've studied and we've learned about. But when it comes to historical romance, it seems as though Regency is such a strong draw and medieval is such a strong draw. And um and again it fits in this sort of in-between period of time that in scotland was actually quite tumultuous and isn't really what we normally go to our you know scottish highlander books for so i find it interesting it was a period of history that i wasn't as familiar with as say you know medieval and robert the bruce and all those you know the wars of independence um and then the regency is so well established as a as a historical subgenre that we know so much about it you know through Jane Austen and and all of the literature that's out there but yeah definitely like this time period it was a different it was a little different for me like we have we have the beginnings of firearms but they're not widely used we so there's still a lot of this need for a sword and which makes me happy I like writing a warrior (laughs) with a claymore so yeah Yeah. (laughs) um So yeah, I just found it to be kind of an interesting time period. Mid-1500s, I think uh, the book is set in 1547. So right before a lot of religious pressure started stamping out a lot of, um, you know, long-time traditions within the country. As we know, like Christmas celebrations into the later part of that century Mm -hmm. started getting quashed and stamped out. Highland culture started getting really stamped out. So I like it for the fact I get to still drawn those kilts and those swords and those uh, you know old world traditions before they you know underwent um a lot of the suppression that followed nice it's great
0: thank you so much for sharing those fascinating answers and before we dive into the next stage of our show which is one of our favorites three fun facts we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors Hello, listeners. This is Lori, and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout, and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let Buzzsprout know that we sent you, get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed.
1: The first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation, so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes, and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. And we're back. So Elizabeth, why don't you tell us three fun facts you
2: discovered during your research? Oh my goodness. Okay. So when I first saw this, this question, I was like, I'm researching all the time. Like, what <laughs> what did I actually learn? Like, it's kind of just, I'm naturally so curious. I'm always looking stuff up. It could be just my kid asks about whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just get on the phone and look it up. But yeah. But yeah. So I got to thinking, I'm like, what have I learned recently? That was really fascinating. And since you asked about A Highland Rogue to Ruin that whole book is set during the Lunasa Harvest Festival Mm. season and so where Twelfth Night's Bride was set during the Christmastide festivities and celebrations, this one is set during the late summer and during harvest, um, the harvest season and so I got to dig quite a bit into the Lunasa Festival, it's an old pagan harvest, it marks the beginning of the harvest period and I had always known about it. I had always kind of paid attention to when it started or stopped because I'm interested in that, but I hadn't really like researched it very deeply. And so just learning about its origins um, as this harvest tradition, uh, the festivities that are involved, there's a lot of athletic competitions, there's horse racing. Um, this was like a perfect setting for a book. And so, <laughs> and for our characters to come together in a very free environment when normally, mm-hmm. you know, like you normally like ladies and wouldn't be mingling with just random guys and mm-hmm. so there were hand fast made contracts struck during this time truces struck between warring um, ah. chief chiefs and um, lords and so it just learning a little bit more about that like the horse races was sometimes it was like really you know, it was hard. This wasn't just on a track. Like it was overland. People died during these. It was, yeah. I was like, oh, this is wow. so cool. I loved researching that. Um, it's not really a fun fact so much as it's just a fun, you know, festivity. I got to dig into. And learn I think about. it counts.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely yeah. counts. And I think it w- had several fun yeah, facts yeah. mixed in there with and that. Then,
2: but then I got to thinking about the other things I've researched and like, so often we have to look up stuff that like, like I had to look at poisons for this book that I'm Ooh. writing right now, that heroin stat is poisoned. And I'm like, I need to know about poison. So of course I'm like mm-hmm. typing all these search terms, like how did people poison each other in the Regency? And I'm like, by the way, I'm an author. It's like, don't come after me. <laughs> I'm not like a murderess. But I was learning about laurel water and it's like cherry laurel plants have cyanide in them. And so, and it can make a victim look like they're, dead even if they don't die from it and so yikes i was like this is perfect for what i need so i was like reading about cyanide recently (laughs) (laughs) and then for i think that's great (laughs) no but and then texas books the first book in the series we were talking about texas heart but the first book in the series the hero's bone is spoofed and again i find myself looking up things that are kind of sketchy online i'm like how do you spoof a phone like <laughs> i didn't know anything about it i'm like so like what are other ways people's phones can get hacked so yeah i got a crash crash course and phone sweeping so yeah <laughs> isn't it great all
0: the fun things yes. we get to look yeah. up <laughs> uh, well is there anything else you'd like to share about your book the cowboy's texas heart
2: Oh gosh, I love this book so much. I love the hero. He's the oldest brother in a trio of brothers and each brother has their own story. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to say except you should read it for sure. <laughs> it's, it's such yeah. a, sweet, it's a sweet story, <laughs> but I write hot. So if you, if you like a sensual story that has a lot of emotion tied into it, it's a good book for that. My heroine, as you mentioned, is a paleontologist. All of the heroines in this series are scientists that was kind of a series theme
0: um, so yeah. I've got
2: these cowboys and then these these upstart ladies who you know they're they're super smart and they're super bright and these guys just can't help but fall for them so <laughs> yes <Aww. laughs> that's awesome
0: so it appeals to the right? nerds yeah. in soul, right?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are writers but we're also readers so we always like to know what are you reading
2: Oh my goodness. Well, when I'm not devouring like a dark mafia romances, like candy. um, let's see, recently I, I had to write them down cause I've got several books going in, in, in together. Mm-hmm. I just downloaded a Regency that I've never read before. I haven't read it. Um, it's called, um, romance of a robbery. So mm. I thought that sounded Ooh. interesting, but I haven't started it yet. Um, and I oh I finished this super cute cozy mystery um, called The Vampire Knitting Club. Oh, that sounds. Fun. It was so cute. It was um, light and sweet. It wasn't um, too suspenseful, but yeah, it's about a heroine who um, discovers that her grandmother's passed away and she owns this knitting shop, but she didn't actually pass away. She was actually murdered, and Ooh. and by the way, she's not dead. She's undead. She's a vampire. And so anyway, it was just super cute and clever. And there's yeah, a lot whole series, of twist in like there. 13 or 14 books or something. So I'm going to have to read the next one, but this one was a lot of fun. And then I'm listening to a young adult book right now. It's a, a children's. It's like for mm-hmm. older kids. i um, called Catherine called Birdie. And I somehow missed this coming out. It came out in the '90s. It was released. It won like a Newbery Award. I had never oh. heard of it until um, yeah, I saw an ad last year that it was being turned into a show or a movie. Oh, fun! Mm-hmm. And it was like interesting, but it's about a, a medieval girl. I think sort of brave. The movie Brave, where it's this young girl who's being forced into a betrothal and doesn't and doesn't want to be, and so and it's written in a first person diary format. So every entry is like a diary entry. Um, she's up to all these antics, like thwarting every suitor her dad tries to like betroth her to. She's pulling these pranks, and she's learning about the world and learning about herself um, also. So listening to that on audiobook. So, yeah, a bunch of different things.
0: <laughs> but that does sound like yeah. fun. What's, what's funny about that is for my neighborhood book club, I just read Are You There, God? It's Me, yeah. Margaret. And that's, you know, an older middle school uh-huh. book too, but uh, we read that because there's a movie coming out for yeah. that this month. Yeah, I just saw that. That was fun. We had some interesting conversations about uh-huh. that one. Yeah. I can't wait to see that one, the movie.
2: I've read the book, but. So where can our uh, listeners find you? I'm all over on social media. Um, if you just about any platform, I'm on that platform. Um, you can find me on Facebook, E Elizabeth Watson. I'm most active on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, you should find me there. Um, Instagram, uh, author EE e. Watson. Uh, you can find me on TikTok, EE e. Watson author. Uh, I'm also on Bookbub again, E. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Watson. <laughs> and you can also find my website and join my newsletter at www.e. I'd love to have you awesome. on the Thank
1: you. Well, this was yes, great. It was. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing all this great information.
2: Yes. Oh, and thank you so much for having me. It was a really good time. Our pleasure.
1: Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with guest E. Elizabeth Watson. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the rest of this season's lineup. Coming up, we have guest author Shelley Noble and historian Holly Snaith joining us.
0: We'll also have a happy hour chat with a couple of surprise guests about some of our favorite period historical movies and television shows. And then end this season with a celebration of Eliza's upcoming release starring Adele Astaire. And we'll let you know what we have scheduled when we return after our summer break. But before we end here today, I just have
1: to say one more thing. Congratulations to our very own Lori Ann Bailey. Today is the release day of her book, Surrender of a Highland Smuggler. Yay!
0: So go grab it. Thank you. (laughs) That's a surprise. And I'm excited.
1: (laughs) See you next time. Bye.
0: Thank you. Bye.
1: For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at historybkswine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time, cheers and happy reading.